Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Screams and Moans Returns podcast. It's still the podcast about movies and sex, but not together, because that would be porn. This episode, I'm joined by horror writer, screenwriter, and artist Renfield Rasputin. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Doing fine. Uh, Just hanging out in Texas, grave robbing in 60 degree weather in December, so... That's how it is uh, here in Texas, and um, that's how we do it. So just trying to enjoy the weather and having a good day, trying to get a few things written, trying to get a few things uh, created in what I call my morgue, which is my man cave. So it's been a successful day so far. I can already picture kind of what your man cave might look like, just because um, for people who are listening, the background is like we know each other from Twitter. So yeah, it's been years, I think, just on Twitter because we were talking about it before the show, but... Yeah, I can kind of picture just, yeah, something dark, a bit vampire-y, perhaps. But. That's that's exactly what it looks like. It's got very dark gray walls, uh, black furniture, black bookshelves full of just fiction. I actually have a curiosity cabinet, which if you look up curiosity cabinets, they're, they're kind of cool. Um, skulls of, you know, whatever type of animal or what have you. I have a shrunken head. Um, an actual, my pet tarantula, a glass prosthetic eyeball, just, you know, weird things. And I collect stuff like that. My walls are full of like horror posters. that have been autographed by, you know, Freddy Krueger, everything that's every actor has been played all like 12 that have played Jason, uh, tons of Alice Cooper memorabilia. So yeah, it looks rather Gothic in here. Yeah. I was going to say when you were talking about the curiosities, I know there was a collector and he actually has a museum now. Well, he doesn't because he's dead. Um, but his his legacy lives on with all these weird, curious things that he collected. And it's just this, um, it's like a small museum in London that I keep meaning to go to. So if I do, I'll definitely have to take some photos and things like that. Oh, yeah, please send them to me. I've got, I even have a casket with a, uh, a Halloween corpse. Uh, it's, it's one of my things that I do is I, uh, uh, some people have hired me for, haunted houses to corpsify props so that they look as if they are actually legit corpses. So I take, you know, your fake $50 skeletons and uh, I have a recipe to corpsify. So it looks like there's dec- decaying flesh coming off. And I have one in the corner that's backlit. It's kind of wild. And, um, you know, I have my, my guitars and amps and keyboards all on the other side. So yeah, I'll send you some pictures of this place. It's kind of wild. I get friends that come in here and a couple of them are kind of weirded out at first. And then they're like, you know, I kind of totally expected this from you. And then after a while, they're real comfortable in this room. But it's kind of funny at first to see people come in. And I just use this room as like my inspiration when I go to write or if I go to paint or if I go to uh, build something. I come in here and just get tons of, you know, inspiration from whatever. The walls are cake full of inspiration in this place. So it's cool. I'll have to see some pictures of it. Definitely. Definitely. And I was going to say, with kind of all the history of horror and being, you know, a horror writer yourself, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what you think of the movie. So the movie that we decided to cover for this episode, since it is going to be a Christmas episode, is Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. So this movie came out in 2010. Uh, It's a Scandinavian dark fantasy. So I guess depending on what you consider horror, um, some people might not think of it. Um, I don't know, as a horror, but it is definitely a bit 
a bit darker, and it actually won 12 Juicy Awards. So it won for things like Best Cinematography, Best Music, and also Best Costume Design, which I'm a knitter. So for me, I'm like, I was a bit envious of all the knitted garments and um, Piatari's dad's leather cap. I know that seems ridiculous, but um, just, yeah, something about the costume design I really, I really like. And basically, I mean, the movie, even in the trailer, if you watch it, it doesn't really hide the fact that it's related to uh, a digging crew digging up the grave of Santa Claus. But really, it kind of follows the young boy, Pietari, and his friend who discover that a drilling crew outside their small village in Lapland um, have allegedly found the grave of Santa Claus. So, you know, kind of everything that happens next and that within the movie is, is what we're going to cover in the show at least the first half. Hopefully you're ready for the second half. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) We'll warm you up before then, so we won't be going in dry or anything like that. But um, Okay, foreplay. That sounds good. It's important. So, um, yeah, and also for any listeners, it is another film where it's a mix of English and Finnish. So if you don't like subtitles, it's another one that's not for you. Um, And honestly, I'm beginning to see a pattern on this podcast because I think it's the second one in a row that we've done. Anyway, um, with that, I guess, Renfield, what were your first impressions when you started watching this film? You know, the first thing I did was I I pulled up the trailer to kind of see what I was getting into. And I watched the trailer about two or three times. Then I went into the movie And one of the first impressions to me was the cinematography. This was a beautiful movie. And I went back and I thought, wait, wait, when did they film this? And I saw it was in 2010. And I thought, now, I've been on several sets before. And I thought, okay, you pick up things. You watch people. You learn things. And you think, what kind of camera are they using? What kind of angles? What microphones are they using? Things like such. And I looked at it and I'm like, are you sure this was 2010? I mean, we had some pretty good technology in 2010, but this looks like it was filmed this year. So I thought it was at first and I had to go back and IMDB this to find out this was 2010. And the only thing I could run through my mind was how did they capture what they did with such good film quality? And it doesn't quite fit the foreign film look it looks like it was American. And what I mean by that is if you, and I'm sure you'll know because you've been to America, you've been to England. And have you ever noticed that when you see the difference between an American and a British film, they kind of look, they just look, the cinematography looks different. The way it's shot. Exactly. And I think what it is, I could be off and someone will hear me and write me and correct me and that's okay. I think America films at 24 frames per second and Britain films at something like 23 frames per second. And this film looked as if it was American, like 24 frames per second. It did not give off the foreign film vibe, except when you see the subtitles start coming along. But the cinematography is beautiful. A lot of it is filmed outside. Uh, the indoor scenes are lit so well. I don't know. I, I 
didn't do my homework and look who did the cinematography. I probably wouldn't have known him anyway, but I can see why this movie won so many awards for best cinematography, best music and so forth, because for them to put this together. And as I understand, it was based on a short story previously, whoever put this together, they did a hell of a job and kudos to them. I wish we had more artists like them. And that was the first thing that I noticed when I pulled up the movie in the trailer was the cinematography. Yeah, I I actually have that down in my notes as well. So in terms of, you know, that just the amazing shots. So even the details when they're sitting in the drilling office or when they're sitting at home having just a quiet, a quiet dinner uh, of gingerbread, you know, things like that you could really feel it and just it was really really yeah well shot and quite quite vivid and as well you know obviously the landscapes as well you know when they they show the site supervisor just after you know he found out that they found what he was looking for that they're going to realize his childhood dream which evidently is grave robbing santa claus um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know it's got this huge expanse of mountains behind him and it's just the contrast of that and the way that it was shot it's it's one of the few films i really went you know this is beautiful it's really really beautiful and even the inside when you see the inside shots and again it's supposed to be i think it's finish so when the inside is shot you're looking at it and it looks warm and what I mean by that is, sure, the cabin looks, you know, cozy. They don't, they're not walking around shivering and everything. Sure, I understand. But, you know, there's snow outside, but they're inside in this cabin. But the color that they captured with the cinematography and the lighting, it looks like they, it is a warm shot. It gives you the impression and the feeling that they are comfy, cozy, warm with the colors that they chose. Even when they go outside, and they're in the snowstorm, the way that it was shot and captured the light, you just look like, hey, I better go turn on a heater in here. So they, they truly captured it. Yeah, I think it was great. So yeah, with that, uh, we can kind of dig into the film a bit more. Um, you know, as I stated earlier, we'll just kind of uh, flow however, however we feel as we're, we're going. But obviously, As we stated earlier, it starts with the drilling crew, but then follows the experience of Piatari. So, you know, really, he's the only one in this entire movie who even believes uh, that they have found Santa Claus. And, you know, when he first finds out, you know, his friend, no one wants, first of all, no adults want to listen to him. Even his friends are just like, whatever, Piatari, like, grow up, there's no fucking Santa Claus. But then we see him doing some, even in the opening scenes, kind of investigating the real history of Santa Claus, which is meant to be much darker than we're led to believe. So along those lines, I was kind of thinking, you know, do you have any thoughts about the history of Santa Claus that's proposed in the film? I like what they did. I really like it. And if anyone that knows anything about my writings and they've read anything that I've done, they know that I like to take things that today we look at as um, kind, gentle, um, upright, righteous. And I love to put a twist on it. And I like to take something like Santa Claus and turn him into this monster. You know, let's skip right over the Krampus because that's already been done. How many times? You know, as many times as we've already seen 
Krampus, who it just came out. Everyone hopped on that bandwagon. The next month, you know, there was four movies out on Krampus alone, plus X amount more in the red box or on uh, Amazon and so forth. Let's just jump over that. Okay. Plot twist. Let's make Santa Krampus, make him all one character. Okay. And I love that idea of taking something that people will look at as this is a friendly thing. Hell no, let's make it evil, you know? Well, let's make it good with evil qualities. I love that. So I just, I'm a little pissed off. I didn't think of this, you know, because I, <laughs> I lost my chance. I lost my chance. I could have wrote this and because this is right down. This is my ballpark. And when I saw it, I thought, okay, well, I always go back to when I'm writing a movie and I think, is this legit? And I'm thinking to myself, well, why would it not be? Okay, you have a guy who is kids love, but also fear. I mean, he is judge, jury, and executioner at the same time. And he can either give you what you've been wanting, that new bicycle or doll, or he's going to whip your ass. So it's, it's one of the two. Your choice. You want to be good? You want to be bad? Why didn't I think of that? So, yeah, I like the way, I like the spin that they put on it. I thought it was creative. It was, for lack of a better term, very clever. And like I said, I'm just pissed I didn't think of it. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was it was really good as well, because like you said, they kind of, instead of going the Krampus route, I mean, they just said, no, actually, instead of this other character, this is Santa Claus, you know? And I think that was done really well. And then I don't want to give away too much um, about some more surprises within the film, but the way that they reveal Santa Claus and and the elves and everything like that, it I thought that was quite clever. Yeah, I so. did too. I really liked it because the movie and, you know, the writer, this is brilliant. This is true writing in itself. You know, one of the things I look at when I look at the movie, I'm thinking that's sloppy writing. The thing about this is I was looking at it and I go, damn it, that was clever because you're brought along to think one way. And when the plot twists of this movie, you're like, oh, I see what they did there. Hey, that was good. You pulled the wool over my eyes. And when you do that, you're really good at writing. And that's what happened here. I was made to believe I, I followed the carrot. And then the plot twist happened. And I'm like, okay, again, why didn't I think of that? And number two, this writer's good. Yeah, because normally, I know what you mean, a lot of times you're watching film and you can already tell, like, oh, that guy did it, or, you know, oh, it's going to be this, or, you know, it's quite obvious, and like you said, you just go, well, that's that's just really poor writing. Like, they're, they're not taking you along, they're not being clever about it. No, it's cheap, and they just take your money, because what you do is, is, you know, you paid X amount to see a movie, and you didn't get the thrill. You didn't get the surprise. You didn't get the twist. You didn't get, basically, it's like they brought you from A to Z and every letter in the alphabet in between. A really good writer, such as this one, will hop you around. No, we're not going to go through A to C via B. I'm going to hop you over to K, then go back to C. And that's kind of what happened here is you're led to believe one thing. And I was just shocked to go, oh. That was nothing, nothing like I had expected. So yeah, that was not cheap writing. That was, uh, that was clever. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it was really, really good. And the only thing I do have to say, I'm not putting it down to writing or whatever, but 
I did find it a bit weird, though, when Piatari just jumped into a wolf pit that was filled with spikes. Like, I I mean, I realize he's supposed to be a, a curious kid, but that just seemed a bit dangerous to me. <laughs> I would think that a kid that grew up in that situation would know better. Yeah. So I would, yeah, I agree with you on that. I looked at that and I'm like, what the hell is that kid thinking? And if he was my kid, I would have beat his ass or left him there. Because if you're stupid enough to do that and you know, you know better because this is what you and your family do. You know, like there's a scene where um, the other, he shows up with his gun and the other kid says, do you even know how to fire that? And he goes, yeah, I know how to use it. Well, if you knew how to use a gun and hunt wolves and reindeer why do you know not to jump into a wolf pit so yeah that was just kind of went over my head but i just blew it off and some of the things like that in the movie are excusable yeah when anything else around it it just works so well no i agree it was like a minor point but it was definitely something when i watched that i you know made a note and went okay out of all the other it just like didn't fit with the the whole rest of the film to me so no but um <laughs> the other thing Again, I'm kind of random, as I'm sure you've noticed. but I am too. It's okay. <laughs> but I just started baking recently. Like, this has not been a thing. Like, I didn't do it growing up. But, but this year, I really wanted to start making Christmas cookies or, like, different kinds of cookies. And I have to say that every time now that I make gingerbread cookies, I am going to think of this film. Yeah, that's kind of hard not to do. Uh, it, 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 I mean, well... Yes, you're right. You're going to think of this film, but also going back to the writing, I liked how they fit that in. Mm. I liked how they fit that into the purpose of the gingerbread. What was the point? And I thought to myself, okay, well, while we're going down that tunnel, why don't we figure out how to work in a candy cane as well? (laughs) How about some milk and cookies somewhere in there? But no, you're right. From now on, every time I see gingerbread, I'm just going to sit there and think, oh my God. It's an elf trap. Yeah, it's true. I'm going to think elf trap and just think of this film. But it would make sense, right? That's the other bit of it. It's like, oh, yeah, because you think, you know, Christmas traditions are are probably like most traditions there for a reason, right? Yeah. And I mean, they work them into the film really well. And, And that was what was really cool was that this film transcends different traditions across nations. So, you know, everybody has their own version of Santa. You know, I mean, I I believe, now don't quote me on this, I I think Santa came from a Germanic tradition. And its origins are from Germany, I think. But I do know that every country and every, everybody has their own version. So when I saw that they had, you know, the gingerbread cookie, I think gingerbread I know for a fact did come from Germany as well, but here we have a Finnish movie. And so a Finnish movie that's playing in America using German traditions that do transcend all the way across. So I'm glad that when the writer wrote this in, he actually used the tradition that everybody can understand. Yeah. And they, they didn't just throw something in there. Cause I mean, that's what we do in Finland. You know, that's what we do. You don't do that. What are you talking about? I mean, why, why do you not hang tuna on your tree? I don't know. So, I mean, they don't have some like weird stuff in there that the Americans would look at and go, what the hell are they doing? And, you know, maybe somebody from, I don't know, South America would look at it and go, 
what the fuck is that about? But he actually used things in the movie that I think most people all get. And that was that was pretty cool because there's so many traditions out there, but they stayed mainstream with this and it all made sense. And they wrote them in and it, it fit perfectly, just like a puzzle piece. Yeah, I was going to say the same about reindeer even, you know, like they found a way to make reindeer a part of the film. And obviously yeah. you know, we all associate reindeer. Well, I'm. I shouldn't say all of us like worldwide, but you know, I, I have lived a few places um, and everywhere I've been, we do associate reindeer with Santa Claus. Right. So, and I would assume that, I mean, I don't know. I've never been to Finland. I, I hope to go someday. I mean, after seeing this, it'd be kind of cool. Uh, but I would like this, you know, I assume they, they, that's what Piatari's family did. They hunted reindeer for a living. And, yeah. you know, I would assume there is probably a very large market in Finland for reindeer, whatever for meat or for whatever they, you know, their horns or I don't know, whatever they use it for. I mean, here in Texas, we hunt deer, you know, and some people, you know, they use it deer for everything. They use it for food. They use it for, um, you know, the heads for taxidermy. They use the horns. Hell, they even use the horns to trap other deers by clanging them together. So, I mean, you know, I would assume that in Finland there is a big reindeer population. So that reindeer, what they do for a living in the story worked well with the Christmas tradition of Santa and his reindeer. And it just fit all together. And I'm just, again, back to the writer. Super kudos for this. Very, very clever. Every Christmas tradition just kind of fell in. And if he couldn't, you know, fit it into like Santa's sleigh and reindeer – well, then they took it and they said, well, we'll have Piatari's family hunt reindeer because that's what we do in Finland. I was like, damn it. This guy really is good. This is cool. They found a way to work everything into the story somehow. Yeah, definitely. And I was going to say on the food front, so it's a very American thing I found now that I've moved out of America, but how a lot of times Americans will say, me, for example, like my ancestors are from Norway. So we would say like, oh yeah, I'm Norwegian, even though I'm I'm not. But you know, you know where I'm going. Like from an American yeah. perspective, whatever their ancestry is, they identify with that. Right. And so for Christmas, I got a Norwegian cooking book, which obviously is also Scandinavia. And yeah, there's reindeer recipe in there, recipes in there. There you go. So clearly, it's a common food. <laughs> yeah, I was I was hoping I was going down the right angle with that. Because I was like, I don't know. I mean, we don't have reindeer in Texas. and We have regular deer. And I know what we do with it. And I know what Piatari and his family were going to do with it. I just hope that that wasn't, as we would say, Hollywood. And just, you know, make shit up. So if not, I'm sure, you know, we can um, send all complaints to at screams and moans at Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Of yeah, course, so, none of you would complain because you're listening. So, <laughs> right, right, right. They're all fans of the show. Well, up until they heard this, so <laughs> we've lost a few now. All yeah. of Scandinavia will Thanks. never listen to the show. Thanks, again. Renfield. <laughs> Collectively, all together. Thanks, Renfield. Thanks, Thanks, Renfield. Renfield. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's what I used to write for horror writers. That's what they'd all say. You know, if we if we lost anybody, it was always Renfield's fault. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm just moving on to other people now, so this is your fault now. 
<laughs> You're just spreading the love across like formats as well, so it's time for podcasts. I don't well. know if it's love or if it's just idiocrity. So one of the two. One of the two. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe the love of idiocracy. That very well could be true. <laughs> Most likely. Um, speaking of idiocracy in a way, the other thing that I noticed that was a bit weird when you thought about it, there's no women in this village. Yeah, so like there's a shit quick. ton of children. <laughs> you know, the only thing I could think is they were outsourcing they were outsourcing women. That's the only thing I could think of. I mean, I noticed that as well because I was I was waiting for, you know, of course, you know, me being the horror writer, you gotta have boobs in every horror movie. So I'm thinking Okay, I know it's Santa and I'm supposed to be good and all, but I'm like, where are the women in this movie? Where are they at? You know, and again, everyone has sons, but I'm like, where are the moms at? And uh, no, there's no women. And that was so weird to me. And the only thing I'm thinking of is, I don't know, maybe they're outsourced. I don't know. Yeah, because I feel it was kind of part of the sub story about Piatari's relationship with his dad that you kind of... It didn't have to be said, but you understood that something happened to his mother, that she wasn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the whole village, there was, yeah, I mean, I would have thought there would have been some, I don't know, I think being, you know, Minnesotan, um, I was expecting, you know, some like hardy women like out there helping their men with something. But no, they never showed up. <laughs> yeah, there, there was, there was no women at all. And I'm like, you know, okay, is Mrs. Claus going to show up at a, any point? And, you know, side note, that would be actually cool because we kind of got an idea of what Santa Claus looked like. But we didn't, you know, they, they dropped that point. But that would have been cool. Maybe for a sequel. Maybe for a sequel they can show Mrs. Claus's revenge. But there are no women in this entire movie. And I thought, dude, that's, that's, that's so weird. And they do talk for a second about, I can't remember what the line was, but something about, I miss mom when Piotari says that uh, I miss mom or something like that. And uh, so it's assured it was, you know, back to the cheap writing and something happened to his mom, but we don't know what yet. So we got to briefly say, you know, in case anyone captain obvious isn't watching, Hey, something happened to his mom and we don't want to go on a tangent. We'll just have him say, I miss mom and leave it at that. But yeah, there are no women in this and, I don't know. Maybe it was just their village. Maybe they're outsourced. I don't know. Maybe there was no need for it. I don't know. It was kind of weird. Yeah. I suppose on that point as well, if anyone was, you know, going to watch this movie hoping they'd see some hot Finnish breasts, they're, they're not in the movie. I was disappointed. Yeah. So, yeah. you it's know, shame. but... But you're right on this on the Mrs. Claus front. I mean, there's a whole bunch of writing that could be done just on that with her finding out, you know, that they've taken her husband out of his resting place and what happens after that. Can you imagine what she would look like? It would be brutal and amazing. That would be awesome. Can you imagine the guy who gets to design Mrs. Claus for this movie? I mean, knowing now, without revealing too much, knowing now what Santa and an elf would look like, can you imagine what Mrs. Claus would look like? That would be awesome. That would be amazing. That makes me hope that they'll have some spinoff on this. But I always worry, you know, it's 
it was in 2010, so chances are. Well, that just means they, they've had a long enough time to think about it. And I feel an email coming on. I do. <laughs> I, I totally feel we an should, email coming on. We should tag them in some of our, you know, come on, guys, like, get back on this. There is right. some. Right. Whoa, 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 whoa. We missed out on all this opportunity. Hey, and you know, if it was in America, you could sit there and say something to the effect of, guys, think about the money. Look how much money you could be making on this. Dollar signs work in America, so maybe, I don't know, maybe Finland is uh, a little more realistic and they just think, no, we're going to go for the story, which is the right way to do yeah. it. <laughs> I was going to say, that was where it may be, as you were saying earlier, you know, coming up with Hollywood elements. That's perhaps the one way it's not very American yeah. in, in style and feel. Well, the thing about it was, you know, when when you picked this movie and you sent it to me and I'm like, what the hell is that? And I had to look it up and I'm like, okay, <clears throat> I'm, I'm pretty keen on most of the horror movies that are out there. Mostly. I mean, I kind of have yeah. an idea. I haven't seen them all, but I've heard of them. And when I, this one came out and I'm like, what? Oh no, this slipped past me. It slipped past me seven freaking years ago. I'm like, or eight, you know, eight years ago. I'm like, damn. So, uh, if it was American, they would have had um, T-shirts, posters, stuffed animals of an elf, a wicked elf, uh, Piatari action figures. They would have had like, you know, make your own Piatari gingerbread man. I mean, they would have totally marketed the <laughs> hell out of this movie. You know, I mean, Finland, they're probably still sitting there going, it is an ought or whatever other accent is. All complaints can go to screams and moans at. Uh, <laughs> um, I was gonna say thanks again. <laughs> yeah, no worries. You know uh, that's okay because I'm pretty sure that someone is listening to this going, that Texan talks like the biggest fucking redneck. I've never heard more of an idiot in my life, and that's okay. I do, but you know whatever their accent is, they're probably sitting there going, no, no, it, it is an odd, and we don't do that bullshit like you do in America. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> in more respect to them, they're actually probably getting it right. And I probably just cut every producer that I'm working with off right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you might as well just, you know, blanket, offend everyone if you're going to offend someone, right? Hell yeah, man. If you're going to do it, do it right. You know, I mean, I can see every every producer that I'm working with currently for all my projects. They're probably like, screw this guy. <laughs> We're going to Finland <laughs> looking for work. So, Yeah. <laughs> It's all right. It's stereotypes about Texas, right? Like, <laughs> sorry, I've got to throw that in. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. No, it's all right. There, there are some that are true and some that are not true. I was just reading some earlier today. I don't know. Uh, someone sent something to me and I was like, yes, that is true. And I read the next line. I'm like, I've never heard of that shit in my life. Never. But yeah, some are true and some are not. But, you know. Anyway, yeah, we have accents. It, it depends. We're so large. Some people actually have that Southern Texas drawl. I don't. Yeah. And some of us, you can't understand what we're saying because we sound very Cajun. And then there's some of us that talk like Matthew McConaughey, which y'all know what that sounds like. That's called Austin. So <laughs> that is an absolute real accent. I have family members that talk like that. That is a true accent from Austin. So yeah, sorry if I offended anyone in Finland about your accent. I didn't mean to. It's just me not knowing how y'all actually sound. It's fine, because, I mean, I'm from Minnesota, and there's enough uh, stereotypes thanks to Fargo um, and other Cohen brothers 
movies and or series that yeah i mean obviously my accent is a bit different now that i'm living in england but yeah it's i picked that, up on that yeah because i've heard you speak before and i was like she didn't sound like that last time i talked to her yeah, yeah it's cool yeah so what i've lost is that um that very i have to think about it now before i say it but it's that very minnesotan just like fargo i've never had the the extreme fargo accent because that's more for outside of kind of the twin cities area but yeah that oh no and like oh yeah like a very <laughs> very almost scandinavian it's kind of a canadian yeah it is yeah it's, it's almost <laughs> nice weather out today eh yeah, yeah. I have I have a really close friend and and he's been in Texas for over twenty years, and he still says that eh. It's like every other sentence eh. And now I'm just like, do you have Tourette's or something? What the hell is wrong with you? Everything eh. It's like bad Canadian Tourette's. It is. It is. And, and, you know, no offense, to anyone has Tourette's at all, man. But I mean, this this yeah. Some of the people from Canada is just like it's a little too much. And I, I guess we do that too, though. With you know, and right at the end of every sentence. So I still sound stupid and I try to watch myself, but I was actually really impressed with the accents in this movie. And there was a couple of times where their accent, there was one guy towards the end who could speak Finnish. I guess it's Finnish. I don't know. This is stupid Texan again. Um, And then he flipped and he says, you can speak English, right? And he goes, he turns around and he starts speaking English and he had zero accent. I mean, the guy spoke better English than I did. So I was, I was impressed. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was, it was actually pretty cool. And sometimes I was trying to listen to the language and read the subtitles and see if it in any remote way lined up, you know, and it absolutely did not. No. Did not. I turned the subtitles off. I'd be screwed. It's, it's the same. I'm, yeah, that's a good thing. Now that makes me think like, huh, if I watched it with the subtitles off, like maybe I should have a podcast episode where I do that, like watch a foreign film with the subtitles off. And then we could just talk about what we think the film is about, which is probably completely. I got a better one. Why don't you do bad lip reading? Have you seen that? Have you seen bad lip reading on YouTube? I feel like I should have, but no. My God. Okay. So you got homework to do. Go to YouTube and I want you to do bad lip reading. And just fill in the blank. It doesn't matter. They do it to NFL stars, which is some of y'all know our football league. They do it to uh, political leaders. Uh, they do it to uh, Star Wars, which is actually really funny. They've done it to The Walking Dead. And what they do is they turn the sound off and they get actors to portray what they think the characters are saying. And let me tell you, it is hysterical. I mean, you'll have to pause it and snort a couple of times to make it through. There have been times where I've had to put the you know computer down, turn it on, and just sit there and give me, give me five minutes to get over that. That was too funny. So if we could do a podcast of like bad lip reading on a foreign film, and then at the end of it, tell us what you think it was about, then go back and actually watch it and compare the two. Um, yeah, buddy, that's going to get you some massive uh, listeners of that. Comedy gold. Yes, man, that's 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 pure comedy right there. You can't even write this. <laughs> I am definitely have some homework to do then. Yes. So um, with that, let's get to kind of our final thoughts. So I think I know which way we're, you're going to go on this one, but love, hate, opinions uh, on Rare Exports? I loved it. I loved it. There, there was... <sighs> 
usually if I had to critique something and say, uh, if I was doing this, what would I do differently? And I would look at this and my answer would be, I would not touch it because I would only screw this up. There is nowhere to go but down on this because this movie is all thumbs up. It is cool. You're going to like it if you're trying to get into You know, you, you have those people who love Halloween. They're pissed that it's over and they're forced into Christmas. Well, here's your chance to actually see a Christmas themed movie, but has a horror twist to it. Well written. And it has the dark side of Santa and uh, beautifully shot. I don't even know, again, what type of technology they were having on their cameras back in 2010 in Finland. But this movie, all around, loved it. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I did as well with this film. You know, you mentioned again, you know, if your sad Halloween is over, but you still want some horror for your Christmas season... It's a good film. And I also think, I, I don't know if this is a good comparison, but you know, like there's hardcore porn and there's softcore porn. And to me, like if you're someone that feels like you want to like horror films, but maybe the ones that are super gory or kind of over the top are not your style, you just might fit in with this movie is kind of the way that I think about it. I think what you're going for is imagery. Yeah. The imagery of it. If you are more of a fan of universal horror monsters as opposed to hostile or a Siberian film, and if you're going for something like um, what you know, what we would call torture porn in the horror community, uh, as compared to like hardcore porn, or you're going for the universal monsters, you know. Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, and so forth. Yeah. Opposed to softcore. You know, the thing about this is this fits imagery. You're looking for the image of horror as opposed to seeing something that looks like a cannibal corpse album cover where, you know, somebody's being ripped open and someone is bathing in the entrails. That's not going to happen in this film. This film is more along the lines of the darker side you're going to see a lot of flashing of fangs. You're going to see a lot of um, just the, the scary faces and things of such. Yeah, this fits more along the softcore lines. Until probably the last five minutes when I have never seen so many old men schlongs in my life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's kind of like you're just sitting there going, I don't want to see. That's another one. What it, th that guy? No, there's no way that guy's eighty. No, no, dude, is that another? How many other? One, two, three, four. Oh my god, you think you're in a meat department of your local grocer? I'm like, you think you're in the sausage department there? I'm like, oh my god, and they're lined up. I'm like, I don't, I've never been to jail before, but I'm sure this is what the showers look like. This is like, yeah, I have. Wow, Jesus. Yeah. I was going to say, and I think that as well is where it differs, because I feel like in terms of kind of European and, you know, I would guess Scandinavia as well, it's just the human body is much more common, um, yeah. where in American film, you, you don't generally, 
I can think of a handful like Antichrist and things like that. <laughs> you um, <said> a handful. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Freudian slip if I haven't heard of one yet. That, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yes, and, and speaking of, you know, in a after they get them cleaned up in the shower, um, one final thought on it. What did you think about their solution to all these extra Santas and the Santa training camp? Again, it's one of those, why didn't I think of that? Not only in the movie, but in real life, you know? <laughs> I'm like, okay, so you know the old saying, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Yeah. That was a perfect example. You find, how many of these were there? I can't remember because they did the math really quickly. And I was kind of thinking right around the same time to like, what are we, you know, they use the term, you just unemployed X, you know, people without giving away 80 or whatever it was. Yeah. Right. Without giving away the, the whole thing, you just unemployed, you know, 80 people. And, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, they already kind of look this way. Why don't you do something with it? And I'm the type of person, I'm just like, well, what else can I do with this? So I was kind of thinking that at the same time as the movie revealed it, and anytime that I can see how a movie is going when it's supposed to be a surprise, I'm kind of thinking, wow, I'm onto something here. And uh, yeah, that was really clever. Let's already do something with it. We got these people. What are you going to do with it? We need money. Cha-ching, cha-ching. I like it. And there you have Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. And uh, with that, I guess it's time to take a break before the second half. So now we're back for uh, the sex half of the show, where we get to ask you a few questions. So hopefully you're ready. Oh, okay. Well, I've been married for 13 years, so let's see how this goes. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe some of these, you know, f different experimenting, things like that, keeping things fresh. But um, first question, what is your favorite flavor of lube? Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> do they not make that because if not I feel another email coming on I, I was going to say if not they really should I mean again, this is American profit right here you're, you're sitting on a landmine uh, just tons of money you know I just want a little cut because this is my idea I was going to say and you know lube could be 
used in, in two ways that way as well, you know, like you're lubricating yourself up for it and then it could also be a flavor of actual lube. Yeah, I mean, th- this. think of the ideas. You know, I feel an email coming on and I want an endorsement. Now that I've thought of this, I want an endorsement because uh, like you said, all the different ways we could use this, there you are, Jack Daniels lube. I mean, you could even get the other flavors like Jack Daniels honey. Absolutely, Gentleman Jack. Hey, think of the think of that, Gentleman Jack. That right there. I mean, the name says it all. And we're getting it recorded. It's gonna go out now. People will know. Mm-hmm. Someone's gonna get our idea before us. That's the way it always works with me. Yeah. Always that way. Well, they would have heard it here first. Hopefully so. Yeah, we got it time stamped. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. <laughs> So the next question, if you could only have oral, vaginal, or anal for the rest of your life, which would you choose? Ear. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's okay. My last guest said, well, obviously not vaginal because I don't have a vagina. And I said, well, but you could still have sex with someone who does. Um, I'll go with vaginal. Vag. (laughs) All right. Now this one, I know the next one, I know you said, you know, you've been married for 13 years, so this wouldn't happen, but you know, let's go back like, well, I don't know how long you dated, but let's just say, you know, 15 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you cook your one night stand the next morning? 15 years ago, I didn't know how to cook. So it probably would have been egg waffles, which in America, like these, like, TV dinner waffles, they suck. They're terrible. But your kids love them. They're out of a freezer? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 15 years ago, it would have been. Now, I know how to cook. And um, I'm going to have to go with uh, breakfast burritos. Yeah. Scrambled eggs. Oh. Yeah. Tortillas uh, made in a black skillet, black cast iron skillet tortillas with scrambled eggs, uh, bacon, a little of fresh piccani sauce cheese you know that would have been today but my wife does not like eggs so Uh. she probably would settle for (sighs) tortillas with bacon which is kind of lame but yeah i mean since she doesn't like eggs what are you gonna do so i'm gonna go with today it would be breakfast tacos see that would be delicious because as a side note one of the things I really miss is like good, good Tex-Mex yeah. or good, just good Mexican food yeah. because there's not that many Mexicans in England. So it's like quite hard to get a hold of, of um, any Mexican food. So actually for my birthday, my husband had to order some stuff from a Mexican grocer company over here. And I'm going to make my first attempts at making tamales this weekend. Oh, my God. You're in for several hours worth of work. Okay, so, like, uh, we're getting off topic here. But my, my friends, my Hispanic friends uh, who make tamales always for holidays because it's too much work, um, they line up. There's, like, 12 people. And it becomes, like, a uh, factory. And it is a lot of work. So whenever you get the tamale, oh, my God, they're so delicious. But um, side note, also, again, in, in, you know, I live in Texas, but I spend a lot of my time in New Orleans. 
And it's kind of funny because I'm still trying to bring my New Orleans friends to Texas and my Texas friends to New Orleans. Because when I went to New Orleans for the first time 20 years ago, I woke up one morning and I walked downstairs to the hotel and I said, where can I find um, like a uh, kolache? It was a kolache. I asked for a kolache and she looked at me. She's like, what the hell is a kolache? And I realized kolaches are from Texas. You probably don't even know what that is. No. Okay. So think of like a pig in a blanket. Yep. Okay. Think of it with like pure barbecue sausage wrapped up in bread, like a breaded, essentially a really, really good pig in a sausage. And they can come anyway. They can come spicy. You can get them regular. You can get them with jalapenos. You can get them with cheddar cheese. And they looked at me and they're like, what the hell is a kolache? And I realized kolaches are Texas things. And no one knows what kolaches are outside of Texas. But meanwhile, same thing here is there is nowhere anywhere near that I can get good grits with shrimp. And for people who are up from north, like Minnesota, you probably don't know what grits are. That's a southern food. It's it's uh, kind of like a uh, uh, hominy. Like okay. a, a, yeah, it's like a hominy. But um, they're usually cooked with butter and cheddar cheese. And in New Orleans, we put – uh, large Gulf shrimp in it, and it is you can have this breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So, um, you know, if, if I could make something other, and I hate to say that I can only make like five minute grits, <laughs> <laughs> which is like every southerner is listening, going, Jesus Christ, this guy's an asshole. Um, but if I could make anything better than that, and I could whip up some grits, I would probably say uh, some grits and shrimp in the morning, but otherwise, I'd have to go with um, breakfast tacos. Definitely a good choice. So, um, you know, maybe this ties into with the next one, but um, what condiment would you cover your partner in? Uh, and I mean, I'm not like a real stickler on what is a condiment, but, you know. So shampoo that... can? <laughs> yeah. I mean, is this, this is going to go back to the first question. Is it edible or is it multi-use? Um <laughs> Uh, no, seriously, um, what I've tried and what I would do again are two different things. Um, I think it would be terribly messy, but I'll go with caramel. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have never tried caramel. I haven't tried that. I've tried other things, but I've not tried caramel. And uh, the only reason why is I don't think I had any. Uh, I didn't I open my fridge up and I'm like, can use that, can use that, can't use that. Yeah, uh, if I would ever, that situation ever came up, I'd say caramel next time. Sounds sounds good to me. And our last one is from the previous guest, Wayne, said, if you were invited to be a star in a porn film, what type of porn would it be, and who would be your co-star? I had a friend who once did the home video thing, and he told me, um, yeah, that is not something you ever want to see yourself doing. <laughs> he goes, I really thought I would. And he goes, I reviewed it. And that is not something that you ever want to see yourself do. And there's been many times where I've walked across in front of the mirror and said, ooh, tomorrow I better do a sit-up. You know, <laughs> like that's going to solve everything, right? So, um me being aside, <laughs> I feel sorry for anyone who had to. 
uh, being one with me, but I would have to go with probably what I'm into is big boobs and big butt milfs. That's that would be a good field. Yeah, yeah. When you're younger, you know, you you go with different things. I think your taste changes as you mature, and you know, you would go from this moving to that into I'm into this now or what have you, but I'm in the stage of my life. Like I said, I've been married with kids and um, I would probably have to go with something that is just like my wife. And that would be big boobs, big butt milfs, curvy, curvy. And uh, yeah, my wife has like super, super curves and um, obviously a milf. So yeah, I'd have to go with big butt milfs. And, um, who, Hmm. I don't know of any actual porn stars names. I'm, I'm sure it's like, I don't know, Alexis define my ass or something. You know, they always have those funny names. I saw them one day. I don't know. I couldn't even tell you. I couldn't pick her out from a lineup. I was just laughing when I saw her name was Nikki sex instead of Nikki six. That just cracked me up. Um, they always have those names. Yeah. 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 Um, if I had to say who I would say my wife and she would say, go fuck yourself. So (laughs) (laughs) it would be a real short porn film then. (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) I mean, it would probably be one of those things where you look at it and you go, is it horror or is it fantasy or is it dark drama? And it would be, uh, you know, called, maybe you can call it like Kelly country stars in two inches of terror or something to that effect. Yeah, it could be one of those, is this porn or is this horror? But not at the same time, you know. Because <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it would be, so it would be, my, it would probably be my wife and she'd tell me to go fuck myself. So, literally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then the, you know, as if this hasn't been fun enough, but, uh, I think it's quite fun. So then you get to ask my next guest a question related to sex. So what would what would you like to ask my next okay. guest? Okay. Uh how about this? Best body part for the money shot. Oh. That that's a good one. That is not one. You know, like I had to try to think of questions for the second half when I was kind of reformatting how it is and and yeah, that wasn't one I I ever came across or had thought of so that's what she said (laughs) (laughs) oh i was like see we're we're slowly the show is just like deteriorating into madness now it's 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 going downhill from here and all all complaints can be at screams and moans returns (laughs) (laughs) you know the drill um Yeah. So um, it has been good to finally get to uh, virtually meet you a bit more and have a bit of a chat today. So if people would like to find you online um, in your work or, you know, just look up, look up and make a connection, um, where could they do that? Usually I'm at the bar, but if I'm on <laughs> <laughs> On those rare occasions. <laughs> On those rare occasions where I'm sober, uh, <laughs> um, I am on Twitter, and you can just search for Renfield Rasputin. Reach out, say hi. I I write everybody back. I'm also on Facebook, and again, you can just search Renfield Rasputin. I think I'm the only one on there. 
Uh, not too many people are fighting over that name. And um, again, you know, just you can friend request me. I pretty much, unless you're just fucking weird, I, 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 re- I okay everybody's friend request. Um, my books are all on Amazon. I've got three or four short stories uh, that you can download, and there is a couple of uh, anthologies on there that uh, me and a few others have put together into a um, compilations. So I'm on Amazon. Again, just do a a search on Renfield Rasputin. Um, Floating around in the interweb uh, full of film festivals. I do a lot of film festivals, and I do a lot of the horror conventions in the South. Um so yeah, just, uh, look, look around. It's funny because, you know, when you get on Facebook or Twitter and you see a picture of me and then you actually see me in person, usually before I can introduce myself to you, you know, I'll walk up to you and say, Hey, I'm, they go, yeah, I know you're Renfield. Jesus Christ. So I must be notorious or something. I've, I've actually, uh, a few people, um, Caroline Williams, for instance, from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I walked up to her and before I can introduce myself, she goes, yeah, you're Renfield. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm not stalking you. How did you know this? She goes, I recognize you. That's amazing. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, uh, I've had, I have a few other, you know, people that have all sit there and go, yeah, I know who you are. Jesus. So I don't know if they just hear me online on shows like this, or I do a podcast. I do, you know, just do a Google search of me and you'll see. And, um, I swear I'm better looking than I am on pictures, but um, yeah, I'm all over the web, but you can write me on Twitter, Facebook, find my work on Amazon. I'm coming up with an Etsy store pretty soon when I get my shit together. Just a bunch of uh, horror paintings, um, some other, I make voodoo dolls, I make Ouija boards, so I do all sorts of wild shit, and um, I'm all over the place. I was going to say, a lot of creative works out there as well, so. Well, it keeps me, uh, it keeps me from going insane. That's what I do. That's my escape is, um, you know, if I get it out here, I don't go on a killing spree. <laughs> that's generally good. Yeah, that's what my psychiatrist said just before, you know, she fired me. <laughs> just before you were asked to never return. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By, by security. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thanks again. And if anyone wants to contact the show on Instagram and Facebook, it's Screams and Moans Returns. And of course, if you like the show, please review us on iTunes as we've just been accepted into the great iTunes podcast library. Um, but yeah, obviously reviews help. And again, thanks Renfield for joining me and... Um, yeah, I think that's it for, for this one. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And, uh, sorry for any complaints coming your way. Uh, sorry for all the stupid things I said. And, <laughs> <laughs> and now they know how to find you. So we both win. Yeah. Well, I can run and hide, <laughs> but thanks for having me on. Thanks for asking. And I'd love to do it again with you sometime. Sounds good. All right. Well, that's it for the show. Thanks for listening. And if you like it, don't forget to tell a friend. So bye for now. Take care. Bye, Con Diablos. Bye.